Scarapus, Hades, what about Odin? We're talking about Bo's father's many identities and getting deep into mythology. Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 80. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I'm kind of sort of solo today, but not really solo because I'm joined by my friend Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. Hello, Stephanie, my friend Stephanie. <laughs> you might remember my friend Elizabeth from when we talked about the Dark Fae back in the day, and I asked her to come back because we've had a lot of mythology stuff going around different names <laughs> associated with Bo's father and and elizabeth has an act has access to a pretty impressive library collection that i thought would be useful in parsing this topic so so what <laughs> what are we talking about it, we are talking about the fact that we've had basically three kind of sort of mythological deities two of them are one of them we'll get to really isn't We've had Odin, meaning when when they first started talking about the Wanderer and implying that it was Bo's father, there were a lot of hints adding up that he might be Odin. First of all, the name, the Wanderer. This is a name associated mm-hmm. with Odin. Absolutely. Uh, Odin did a lot of wandering in Norse mythology. Uh, he would uh, appear often as an old man. He's the inspiration for Gandalf. Kind of, you know, old, wi- uh, wizened man with a, you know, gray pointy hat and a staff, you know. Uh, so he he earned that name, the Wanderer. Um, but, I mean, we'll talk about all the other things that he did, too. But, yeah, so he's definitely the Wanderer in Norse mythology. And then we had, in season four, we had the appearance of Hugin and Munin, the crows, who sat atop... Odin's shoulders and would fly across the land and gather intel and bring it back to Odin. Because this is Odin's thing, right? He like he wants to know everything. He's on a great quest for knowledge. That's right. And their names are, uh, Hugin and Munin means thought and memory. So as thought and memory, they gather all the knowledge that's available. We had the appearance of Tamsin, who is a Valkyrie, who, you know, Valkyrie are kind of foot soldiers of Odin in a respect. He's kind of associated with with Valkyrie. Am I wrong in that regard? Sure, absolutely. Well, they're just uh, another piece of Norse mythology, which, right. I mean, arguably all the pieces of North, Norse mythology are in some way related to Odin, but they definitely are uh, sort of his... Uh, most immediately associated with him and Freya as uh, people who are as creatures, I guess, people who uh, serve him. So all those souls that they're bringing, they're bringing them to Odin in Asgard. And speaking of Freya, we were just introduced to Freya in the first episode of season five. So even though Bo's father has had another name since, you know, he's been called Pyrrhus and we still are having elements of the Odin story included. I don't entirely think that Lost Girl has given up on Odin. It, see, it seems sort of odd to introduce Freya as having, she's got this man that she's serving. I mean, she's talked about a man, whoever's on the other end of the blue telephone. I mean, it would seem funny to, to bring her in and not at least expect people to make the association with Odin. So, 
because uh, she's definitely his wife in Norse mythologies. They're certainly connected. Right. But and then and something else somebody mentioned, which is those are the strongest connections, something that's maybe more of a curiosity. Somebody mentioned when they saw that Rainer was trapped on a train, the train when it was first introduced, it was its nickname was the Iron Horse. And sure. <laughs> and as we will talk about a lot in this podcast, horses are associated with Odin. So somebody else brought that up as maybe a clue that Bo's father would be revealed to be Odin. That's right. I mean, and Odin's a very tricky character. I mean, he's, he's you know, sort of the, the head of a certain part of the pantheon, but he's not, um, he's not a distant ruler. I mean, besides that whole wandering thing where he kind of gets down with people and talks to them. He's also, you know, a warrior god, so he's always participating in battles and, you know, actually uh, different historical events, uh, different historical battles. People would report that Odin had been seen at the front. He's not a straightforward kind of a deity. He's always being a little tricky. If they still wanted to introduce him, all this name-changing stuff would be appropriate, you know, that, that he would maybe not be straightforward in how he's presented. Because this is the confusing thing, right? We had these big clues, even excluding Freya, we had these big hints that Bo's father might end up being Odin or in maybe more typical Lost Girl style and Odin because they have made a, a deity, a race of fae. But then, you know, end of season four comes along and I'm trying to remember the first episode we heard the name Pyrrhus in. I think it was toward the end, but I, I don't. I think it was earlier than Origin, but toward the end of season four, we, we hear this name Pyrrhus, and it's not Odin, but there's very strongly implied that this guy Pyrrhus is Bo's father, because at this point we'd met Rainer, and she's and Bo's all mm -hmm. no, she no, he's not my father, and I certainly hope he isn't, given that they <laughs> they have really gone down a dark path. Yes, he's really her father. <laughs> yes, indeed. So let's really hope that that is not the case. And it doesn't seem to be because we get we get Tamsin in the season five premiere saying, I thought the Wanderer was your father or I thought the Wanderer hired me. I was wrong. It was someone more powerful, your father. So I think they are trying to separate out the Wanderer is not Bo's father. So does that mean he can't be Odin? I don't know if that like you said, I don't know if they've completely tossed aside the Odin possibilities mm -hmm. quite yet, though. Yeah, they had all that, what I really enjoyed, that whole, um, the theme, the theme music of the Wanderer through that whole season so that we could, building up to Rainer's revelation, and then it dropped out. So I assumed, uh, I think along with everybody else, that Rainer is the Wanderer, but is not Bo's father. But I hate that they dropped the theme, honestly, because it was, that was super fun, right? Yeah. To have that theme song and, and sort of to, to build it up. I, I, I was hoping that that would follow us more. Uh, the horse theme has certainly stayed with us. I mean, even in the last couple of episodes, there's been some horse suggestions. <laughs> so, I mean, Bo opens the season with, she'll be coming around the mountain riding six white horses. horses so, yes. you know, I, I feel like they're keeping that up. Uh -huh. uh, I'm sad that I don't, you know, get the song, but it's nice that the theme is still there. <laughs> Okay, so back to the Pyrrhus. So we have the introduction of this idea of the Pyrrhus. And we were trying to, when this name first came out, you know, I did a Google search. And first of all, I had no idea how the heck to spell it. So it took me a while to figure out how I should put it into Google. And then when I did, 
the only real reference that popped up is on a website. It's a, it's kind of a chat board looking thing called side7.com. And it's in a post by a guy with a username, or maybe it's his real name. I don't know. Alistair Lamb. And so here's what he says. Little is mentioned about the horses that dwell below the earth, the stallions that reign supreme in the hellish underground. Many don't know that there is a name given to these hellish stallions called Pyrrhi, plural. In Greek mythology, they are said to reside in the underworld and are responsible for driving the chariot of Hades. I prefer to think that the Pyrrhus, singular, is a combination of various mythical horses, like a body similar to the unicorn with cloven hooves, fetlocks, and manes, like Pegasus. It is also winged, but instead of feathered wings, Pyrrhus has a pair of bat-like wings and a barbed tail like that of a wyvern or wyvern. I'm not trying to say that word. I, I've got no help there. What do you think about this, Elizabeth? <laughs> well, first, let me tell you, I mean, that's a really great story. I love that story. It sounds really cool. I want someone to draw me a picture. You know, it sounds great. He did draw a picture. You should check out his picture. <laughs> oh, he drew a picture? Yes. Awesome. Let me tell you what I do know about Pyrrhus. So the things I do know are that this uh, this word does appear to come from Greek roots. Uh, the first root that we spell in English is P-Y-R, pyr, the pyr part, uh, is the Greek root for fire. Uh, so in Greek, you use that for actual fire and also just for anything that's fiery or red. So... Uh, you talk about red-haired people that way, uh, sort of red horses with red coats. It can be metaphorically fiery as well as literally on fire. Exactly. Okay. So in that sense, it's also connected to the underworld because the underworld and its doors, so the gateway to the underworld, uh, is associated with the element fire. So uh, like the heavens are air, oceans are obviously water, the earth is earth. You know, <laughs> lots of stretch there. But uh, the underworld and things that are sort of spiritual are, are associated with the, this element of fire. So a lot of things associated with the underworld are given the root peer. So things like pythons. So if you've ever wondered why a python starts with a P-Y sound, uh, it comes from the Greek root. Uh, and it's because in Greek mythology, serpents are one of the many guardians of the netherworld. So I mean, we talk about fire with the dead all the time. We have eternal flames to memorialize dead people still. So having a fire root associated with your hell horse is perfectly acceptable and, you know, makes sense. <laughs> also, the uh, ipis root, the rest of the word, uh, just means horse in Greek. And uh, it's the root, by the way, where we get the word for hippopotamus. So... Just those so are, would be some funny look. I don't know that those would work very well as horses. Hippopotami. <laughs> Hippopotamuses. Well, I'm sure for the first people that saw them that were that were trying to think of a word for what to call this it's creature. Like, close enough. Know? Yeah. <laughs> they were like, it's something horse. It's a seahorsey thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so those are the two things that I actually know that the the word does have roots that are involved in Greek. They're definitely Greek roots, and they definitely have to do with the fiery horse. Okay, so but what I don't know is whether or not this creature actually exists in Greek mythology. So I have looked in lots of different sources to try and find it. I have, as Stephanie said, I have access to quite a bit of uh, resources. I work in a library that is a theological library that has a large collection of mythology stuff. And I've checked in, 
you know, English sources, Greek sources, Latin sources, and French sources, and found nothing. That's not to say it does not exist in the world, but so far, the, the things I've checked, I haven't found it at all. And they're pretty extensive, so if you find it somewhere reliable, please let me know. But there are horses in the underworld, he's not wrong, and it would be cool if they had bat wings, but I... I, again, I haven't found any art or places where it mentions that Hades has or, or any underworld Greek deities have bat-winged horses. Although, again, cool picture. But Hades does have at least four horses, four that are named. in. Uh, so there's a long poem, a long Latin poem about in the, from the 5th century about Hades where, he, uh, where this author named Claudian names the four horses or four of his horses. So there's Orphianus, who's savage and fleet, Athon, swifter than an arrow, great Nictius, proud glory of hell's steeds, and Alistair, branded with the mark of Dis. These stood harnessed before the door and savagely champed the bit, all eager for the morrow's enjoyment. Anyway, that's what the horses are up to. They're, but they're just horses. Now, albeit horses who can pull Hades's extremely swift and awesome chariots and go you know get into all kinds of mischief but nonetheless horses and one of them's name actually atheon or athon sorry actually means uh tawny like the that's in the like a red brown kind of a color mm -hmm. uh so i don't really think that you'd name your horse you know rusty unless he's maybe a rusty colored horse. So I'm imagining these are not all black horses, although that does make a pretty cool picture too. So whatever you want. That is the, the result of Elizabeth's research. It's looking likely that Pyrrhus isn't a, necessarily a real thing in Greek mythology. Though, like she said, we can't say for sure. However, no, no really credible source has appeared on this subject. So it's possible it was just a nice story made up on the internet and the Lost Girl writers stumbled upon it and decided to incorporate it into the show, which is fine. We are not criticizing them for yeah, this in any way. Absolutely. Or hey, maybe magically they just both made up the same Greek word. Yeah. You know, separately. I mean, you know, hey, it could happen, right? It could. Though I will say hey. that the drawing of the of the Pyrrhus is not unlike this little drawing that Alistair Lamb made with the bat wings and such. I can't wait. You have to put those in the show notes. <laughs> I will. So we had Odin references. Then we had No, 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 Pyrrhus. And then we had, in, mm -hmm. most recently, in Like Hell Part 2, we had Persephone calling Bo's father Hades. So we're, we're, we're abandoning Norse mythology. We've already kind of shifted over to Greek with the whole Pyrrhus thing, because like you said, comes from Greek words. Mm -hmm. And now we're solidly in Greek actual mythology. Hades, totally a real thing in, in Greek mythology. It's not even hard to, to find Hades in Greek mythology. <laughs> he is a prominent figure. That's right. That's right. He is one of the main people, main gods in Greek mythology. So you, you don't get very far without finding Hades. I mean, because everybody dies and once they die, they go to Hades. Just to, so Hades is both a place and a person. So, but when we talk about him here, I think we're just going to be talking about the person. So when I say you go to Hades, I could mean both you go to a place called Hades, but also in this context, you go to a person called Hades. I am just reminded of the movie, Bring It On. Do you remember this? Are you? 
I am. Tell me more. I At the beginning, I don't remember what the line is, but it's something to the effect of, you know, if you break this rule or reveal this secret or something or other, you go to Hades. Do you remember this? Where the, there's like this dramatic no, lighting. Would... Oh, I just remember that because I... Excellent excuse to watch Bring It On Again. So, good time. Because I just remember watching it and thinking, could they not say go to hell? Is that Would that have gotten them a higher rating or something? Because that's not a common expression, right? Go to Hades. People don't say that to each other. Not not usually. (laughs) I mean, unless they're, you know, nice Greek nerds, I guess. But, you know. What can we say? Yeah. Total side tangent. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it's a good side tangent. So Hades does rule the place called Hades. Um, so he's a king of Hades, which also, by the way, includes uh, a lower realm called Tartarus, which we could talk about, too, as something that comes up in Lost Girl. So, so just to be clear, because I was not clear about this in the episode, Tartarus, that comes from Greek mythology, not Norse? Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So Tartarus, so confusingly, they're, the worlds that they've built so far come from different mythologies, which makes sense given the Lost Girl context, right? right. They have ble- always blended mythologies. Right. But I got a screen cap of Trick's big tree chart that he pulls out to show uh, the sort of map, which I believe is a map of hell, like with one L. Uh, on the map, They've got somewhere called High Heaven, which who knows what that means. And then Valhalla, which we've been to, Tartarus. And then they've got two others labeled Yof and Tajala, I'm going to say. And then the word hell is like down at the bottom left-hand corner, which I'm assuming is like the label for the whole big tree. Um, We could talk about the tree too, but what I want to say right now is just that of this chart, the three words that we've, you know, really talked about before. So hell, uh, Bo's got those hell shoes, uh, so which have allowed her to go to Valhalla and Tartarus. So I'm guessing there's sort of an all-access pass to all of these realms if she wished to go there or was sent there, maybe. But yes, Tartarus is definitely a piece from Greek mythology. Now, confusingly, it is part of Hades, So Hades has several places, just to talk about Hades itself for a second. The place, not the person. The place. The place, not the person. Yes. Hades has uh, several different places that you end up depending on sort of how you were in life. Most people end up in just sort of parts of of Hades that are just kind of for us everyday schlubs, you know, just folks. Um, Although some people go to the Elysian Fields, which is a place when you've been really great. Uh, There are a couple of other places you might go, but the worst possible place to end up is Tartarus. So where they, when they defeated the uh, gods that were the generation before Zeus and Poseidon and Hades, they put, uh, put the bad giants down there in Tartarus. And also if you are, a terribly bad person or God or whatever, uh, they throw you down to Tartarus. And they always talk about it as being down. So good job on the elevator going down. Um, but just, it's it's definitely a bad place. So, you know, not the, the whole afterlife in these mythologies is not a bad or good place, really. Uh, some of them are lots of reward for warriors and such. But this one in particular is an actual bad place. Speaking of the Elysian Fields, you know this very well like I do, is when you're driving on 20 from Dallas 
to Shreveport, yes. there's an exit for Elysian Fields. And I, my mom, when we were, because I went to college in Shreveport, which is where I met Elizabeth, and I'm from Dallas. Mm-hmm. And like when my when I would drive that way, and my mother was in the car with me, she got so sick of my Elysian Fields joke. She's like, every time, Stephanie, every time. <laughs> Well, there's just not a heck of a lot of other things to say on that highway. So it's really <laughs> nice to be able to say, oh, look, it's Elysian Fields. Hope we don't crash the car, you know. Want to go see some dead warriors? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> well, okay, so here's my here's my Tartarus confusion. I re- can remember three times in the first two episodes here that where they've mentioned Tartarus. When they're reading in Tansen's naughty diary, uh, <laughs> they get to they get to an entry where she says that she's snuck in to Tartarus with somebody else that they name. Is this the guy with the huge dot 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 um, forehead? I assume. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah. actually I looked at the book and there isn't a word after huge. It just says huge. <laughs> like <laughs> there's nothing after it. <laughs> the next great. sentence begins. That's great. She didn't even have to say. No. It was obviously forehead. Yes, obviously. So, so, but then Freya, when when Bo first ends up in Valhalla, Freya says, and she mistakes her for the florist. Mm-hmm. She says, oh, well, my florist stuck in Tartarus, Tartarus. until mm-hmm. Tuesday. She's so casual about it. Like, that's what got me. It's like, then when we get there with bow and that's i'm assuming that's the place where persephone is that right. sort of it looks it's got the maze and then it sort of looks like valhalla but sort of a darker version of valhalla it's really dark and blue so you know it's bad it, it must be bad because all the lights are out yeah obviously everywhere where the lights are out is a bad place yes um so but but where's Frank florist i'm so worried about the florist where the <laughs> heck is the florist what happened to her? Is the goblin the florist, maybe? Like she was on duty, you know, tricking people until Tuesday? I hate to judge based solely on appearance, but it just doesn't <laughs> seem like that goblin had much of an interest in floral arranging, you know? Like, I know some florists. I can't imagine them biting me, you know, at least not to goblin. So I, I don't know. <laughs> So anyway, so that's my that's my Tartarus. And it could totally be, if this is completely fine, if it is, they're just trying to be cute. And they were cute, so it succeeded. But, I mean, it seems like this Tartarus place has some conflicting PR, you know? Like, <laughs> they need a new brochure. I want to know if every time Freya sort of snaps her fingers and opens up a dark, terrible portal where people scream and get sucked into it, mm-hmm. are they all getting on the elevator? Are they all going to Tartarus? It's a good question. Know. It's a good question. Sorry, I had to get us off on that track because I needed I need to get that out there. Like, That's okay. What's up with Tartarus? Where's the florist? <laughs> I'm so worried about the florist. <laughs> oh goodness. So so we get introduced to this this idea as well as a, a missing florist uh, that that Bo's dad is actually Hades. This is what Persephone says. Now you and I uh, yeah. before before we started recording talked about how we don't particularly trust Persephone, but we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Bo's father is is Hades. So is there any sort of I guess there is a link but at least between Pyrrhus and Hades because 
even Alistair. (laughs) (laughs) Alistair would say that they are, you know, the Pirapai are the the hell steeds. I love that term, by the way, Mm -hmm. the hell steeds of of Hades. So, you know, Mm -hmm. and and like you mentioned about Odin in Greek mythology, the gods are tricksters. They take on many forms and many identities. So I could I could see where they, you know, the writers might have built in a loophole of like, oh, Pirapus is just one of the many names that I that I go by. Well, let me let me loop back in Odin here for a second, because he's also got a horse connection. Odin's horse has eight legs. Apparently, this makes him very handy and fat and extremely swift and not at all like a spider. Because it creeps me out when I think about an eight-legged horse. Well, I don't know. spiders move really fast. So I could see where an eight-legged horse would move very fast. Yeah, it's true. But anyway, so how did he get this eight-legged horse, might ye ask? He At the beginning of, of Asgard, they were putting up, they needed to fortify the whole of the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, Asgard is the place where Valhalla is. So Valhalla is really the hall in Norse mythology, the, you know, the big longhouse a place where people, you know, do their drinking and partying after they've earned their great reward. So a, a hotel is a perfectly legitimate, you know, thing to have, right? I mean, I assume they're trying to call for us the sort of modern day place where we do our partying. But Asgard is the larger kingdom of which Valhalla is, a, you know, where it's located. So they're trying to fortify Asgard, and they hire this guy, who they later find find out is an ice giant, who has no name, to uh, build it. And he says, well, I'll build it, but I want to take Freya and the sun and the moon as my payment. And they don't really want to pay him, but they Loki convinces them to let him do it. And he says that his only uh, stipulation is no one will help him except for his horse. So he starts and he builds the wall and it turns out that his horse is like a super horse and he ends up getting extremely close to finishing and all the gods are really worried that he's going to actually finish because the horse is helping him. So Loki decides that he'll save the day because all the other gods are blaming him for this failure. So Loki turns himself into a mare in heat and distracts the super horse and makes the super horse run away. Then, a while later, Loki gives birth to the son of this horse. So, great little gender swappiness. Uh, I would love to see Tom Hiddleston play this part. I don't know how it could be done, (laughs) but there you go. But yeah, so he gives birth to an eight-legged horse, which I guess there's some god genetic material involved there. Uh, So that's how uh, Odin gets his horse. I thought it was interesting because... We've got this situation where a person who's usually in human form is also in horse form to give birth to a horse. So I'm thinking if this has any relationship to Bo's father, we've got some at least some sort of kind of odd precedent for somebody, you know, a horsey, horsey human relations, if you will. <laughs> I like so, that. So there you go. That's my... That's <laughs> my that's my Loki had a baby story for the day. So we have Odin's eight-legged horse, Perapus, who supposedly is a horse, and uh, and Hades, who has a chariot drawn by horses. Are there any other horses related to Hades? The person, not the place? Uh, no, but he does have a lot of horses. I mean, besides the four that I named, he's always shown 
Oh, so so one more weird thing about Hades. So in the art, he's he's rarely depicted. He's actually not one of the gods that people draw a lot, um, because well, I mean, he's the death god, so he's not an evil deity. We need to be clear. He's not evil per se, but he is associated with death, which most of us are trying to avoid. But the place where he is most often depicted is in his chariot with his horses, in this story that we're where he abducts Persephone. So uh, in, in the mythology, it's often called the Rape of Persephone. So that's its sort of standard title in the, in the mythology. Well, because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but rape has kind of had a shift in meaning over time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it means some sort of abduction uh, and probably assault, but in the story, at least... This is in no way excusing the story. It's not a nice story. Um, but uh, in the story, at least, it sounds like, at least in the versions that I know, Hades just abducts Persephone, takes her home with him, treats her very well to try and convince her to stay with him because he wants her to stay willingly. But she does indeed eat the six pomegranate seeds. Uh, in the story that they told on Lost Girl, you know, she hasn't been home for 6,000 years, isn't that what she said? Yeah, thousands of years. Right. So in the in the legend, she comes back for a third of the year. I mean, for two-thirds of the year? Anyway. Half the year. She comes back. Yeah, she comes back for about half the year. So, so six months is the traditional thing, but there's some sort of time discrepancy for right. some people. But at any rate, she comes back for part of the year, and that's the part of the year where we have spring because her mother, Demeter, is happy. But the half where she's not here... Uh, is the time when we have winter because Demeter is uh, wants all of us to mourn the fact that her daughter is away from her. Now, in the mythology, Persephone ends up being quite the queen. I mean, she she doesn't just sort of you know get Stockholm syndrome and you know go along with this. She ends up being the sort of typical Greek mythology jealous queen eventually. The one story that I remember in particular, uh, so another woman has sort of caught Hades's eye. So rather than let him stray from her, she turns this woman into mint. So the plant mint that we have now. You know, she she's not a uh, not a shrinking violet. It, you know, the, the way that Lost Girl portrayed her is this, you know, frightened child bride which is a timing issue also for me. I mean, this woman is not a child. I don't know how I feel about them continuing to talk about her like she's a child, even though clearly she's been there for a very long time. I mean, I don't know. It just sort of seemed like a kind of infantilizing way to talk about her, that she's a child bride. Like, really? If anything, that makes me mistrust her even more. We were saying earlier that we don't quite trust her. Anybody that is 6,000 years old and looks like that. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little mistrustful. Like, this is clearly some sort of deception. Anyway, so, so she has some sort of relationship with Bo's father, though. And if that's really what we're trying to get a hold of here, clearly not all these people are telling the truth. So we have that to sort through as well. But yeah, because I, I wanted to just sort of make clear that when, we, when we're talking about Roman mythology, Greek mythology... Romans basically came in crib from the Greeks. So there is equivalencies between figures in those mythologies, you know, Diana is Artemis and and Mars is Ares, et cetera, et cetera. Odin, however, 
is not the equivalent of Hades in Norse mythology. They are both somewhat associated with afterlife realms, but they are not really the same figure at all. So this this jump from Odin references to Hades isn't particularly logical. There's a casual knower of mythology such as myself. That's right. That's just a show reference. In other words, that's just the show making connections as in Lost Girl, the show, um, not mythology. Uh, so the Roman Greek thing is interesting because it's making that, again, it's, it, it is the sort of one people group took another people group's stories and sort of morphed them into their own. So there, there are differences in the way different uh, characters are, char- are are presented. So, for example... In Greek mythology, Hades has is associated with the underground, so he's associated with jewels and gold and you know wealth that you find by mining. But his name has to do with his role in uh, the afterlife. So for Roman peoples, he's known as Pluto, which is a name that highlights his wealth. They have a little bit different relationship with death, therefore they have a little bit different rela- relationship with the ruler of the afterlife as you'd expect. So I want to say about Odin that although he's got this, like you said, he's got this relationship with the afterlife. He is a totally different thing because this is a totally different people group and a totally different place. When we put too many equivalences between big father figures, both for Bo and for everyone, um, I I think there's some danger there because all these people are looking at their leaders, at their afterlives and death and at you know, men in general, at fathers in general, and their roles and what they're supposed to be doing a little bit differently. So the reason we've got such a hodgepodge here is because we've skipped ourselves all over the world at all different times to try and think about these different fathers, which for the show is really interesting because we've got this sense of Bo's father, she doesn't really know what to think about him because what a great mess of, of influences all these different people have been telling her all these different things about him so she has a right to be confused (laughs) as do we i could even see if they were trying if they put thrown in a lot of references to thor for example and here they introduced him as maybe zeus because those are at least sky gods there's a little bit of of comparison there but odin versus hades there's just not really a whole a whole lot to compare those two I mean, not really yeah. yeah it's a funny equivalency i mean they both i mean how they're connecting them is through the afterlife right. so they're both in charge of afterlife spots um but like you're saying odin has a lot more power outside of the afterlife i mean he regularly wanders and does a lot of you know teaches people magic and has a lot of different kind of roles but he is also this sort of connection figure between the world of you know human beings and another world where dead human beings go um so in the same way hades has got that role where he's a connection between the place where we live as living beings and where we go when we die they are connected i think if if one of the things that whoever this person is is trying to do is bring forth an army of the dead because isn't that what they've been saying that like yeah. at least at least in the uh, season finale, that that's what was happening. Um, but that they're going to try to crush all life somehow. Right. I mean, whether or not that's exactly what's going to happen or not, I'm sort of skeptical. But 
that's what they really want. Because hardly ever do people ever want to really kill everyone. That just doesn't make any sense. I mean, what you're just standing on a field of a bunch of dead people. You're like, yes, I'm all alone now. I don't know. Maybe they just really want some peace and quiet. That's right. Well, you know, on Buffy, they would all people were always trying to end the world. I mean, you know, it's not an apocalypse. It's not Tuesday. So like, but they always had a reason. I mean, most all of them had a reason for doing it. Like my master right. is hungry and wishes to feast upon all of the world. You know, that makes sense <laughs> to me. Well, and like when, when, when Angel tried to kill, end the world, it, was, it wasn't really to end the world, but to bring a demon world forth onto the world. So basically to get rid of all the humans, but the demons are, you know, having a party, which is why Spike was all whatever, because he wanted snacks. So... That's right. Happy Meals with Legs. One yes. of my favorite Buffy lines yes. of all time. <laughs> but anyway, bringing, bu- bringing forth an army of the dead. We're talking about Lost Girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So bringing forth hell on Earth uh, is, a, is a tricky uh, thing to do, both in a television show. I mean, even when they tried to do it on Angel, they had to go to a comic book. So, you know, but but yeah, so so I'm not sure what the motive is here. I'm still a little unclear, but Hey, it could be a fun ride. From what we've heard, Bo's father seems to be the dictator sort. So I think the army of the dead is maybe supposed to help him, you know, put himself in that rulership dictator role with Bo at his side as queen. That's what I got. Oh, that's another reason that I don't trust Persephone. Uh, if if Bo is going to be the new queen of the underworld, um, maybe Persephone doesn't like her usurping her role. You know, maybe she is a shapeshifter. I mean, we've seen her be a bird and then a person. So, like, maybe maybe there's more shifting going on there. You know, maybe it's, um, I mean, not just shifting, but shiftiness, you know, that she's trying to uh, get Bo out of there and light that candle for other, completely other reasons. Certainly that little kerfuffle in the elevator makes me think that something else is up. So good job, show, for making me wonder there at the end. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I'm still curious about this switch, the switching identities of Bo's father, either because either, it's been both named and implied. And it could be all of the Odin references were actually supposed to be directed at the Wanderer slash Rainer, and mm. we shouldn't try to you know, put them onto Bo's father anymore. So I'm willing to to give up those and just say, okay, they were drawing a, a parallel for those who are savvy about mythology between Rainer and Odin. Let it go. But we, you know, we just had this big name switch between Pyrrhus and Hades, and I just don't know what to make of that exactly. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our characters like to switch from an animal to a human. So like I said, I mean, there's, there's mythological precedent for it too. So maybe Pyrrhus and Hades are supposed to be the same thing. Like he, he pulls his own chariot, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds very efficient, but yeah. So, so if, if Odin, if all the Odin stuff is just the wanderer stuff, which would make sense. I mean, Odin wanderer, I still am kind of, don't know what to make of the whole thing that we've got of Valhalla and that we've got Valkyries that are serving somebody and Freya is also connected to them in some way. So I don't know if maybe Freya just doesn't have a husband and, you know, we're not supposed to wonder what happened to Odin at this particular thing or she did seem to like the ladies. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. I don't know. I mean, it would make sense. To, to just have no Odin. 
though Stacy did, I was I meant to reference it earlier. Stacy did make an Odin reference because when she's talking to Dyson, she says something like, you know, oh Odin, your jaw is extremely distracting. She says it much better. But she does reference Odin in that line. She does. Yeah. It's just sort of a like, you know, by Jove oh, or you know, whatever. Yeah. By Jove. Yeah, exactly like by Jove. They're also standing in front of a statue in that shot that is pretty Odin-y, although it does have two <laughs> eyes. I should also mention that something that's very important about Odin is that he's lost an eye oh, that's uh, right. in pursuit of wisdom. Yeah. So he, he has he has only one eye. But he's not like a cyclops. He just has like an empty socket. No. Yeah, good, yeah. good call. Yes, he's got an empty socket. Um, yeah, he pulled out an eye and traded it in to get wisdom. You know, his his main interest here is is getting more knowledge, at least in part of the mythology. He's also on Trick's big tree chart. Odin, at one point in the mythology, sacrifices himself on that actual tree and basically hangs there for quite a while in to. Uh, to sacrifice himself in order to save the world. So there's more, he's a more suffering kind of a guy. So I don't know if the Wanderer's train trip really counts as suffering. I mean, it's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a luxury train. I mean, it's not like he's stuck on Amtrak for eternity here. I mean, he had a bed and they brought in entertainment for him. One terrible. He's not in, he's not riding coach for the rest of his life. I mean, <laughs> and just in one of those chairs that you can't sleep in very well and you get a stiff neck. Oh. Yeah. And there's always that little bar on the back that's just like poking into my side. Oh, <laughs> Odinic suffering there, but not not so much Rainer. He seemed fine. Oh goodness. So yeah, do, any final thoughts about this whole name switch thing? Do you do you have any any last wise words? It did really seem to come out of nowhere. And I'm not sure whether it's just, you know, a, a sort of gear shift that we've got in the new season. I mean, hey, we're still searching for a dad, but we're going to give him a new name. And so we're sort of, you know, shifting gears or whether or not it's just there was something there already that we didn't really catch. Yeah, there's just lots of great mythology there. So I mean, they've got lots of options. So a little more Greek mythology never hurt anybody. Yeah. That was my thought, too, because we had some indication in the first episode of of season five that there might be a little bit of, okay, guys, we realize that these plot lines didn't really thrill you in season four. So we're kind of dropping it. We're taking this little bit here, but we're dropping the rest and kind of Mm -hmm. moving on. So this could be... Maybe maybe that, that they're yeah. giving up on the Pyrapus thing. and go, Because I remember all of the jokes that people started making right after that was revealing, <laughs> Bo's dad is a horse? What the hell? You know, all the, all the horses and being hung like a horse thing are just, <laughs> I mean. That's terrible. If they didn't know that that was coming, like they should have known it was coming. Hello, do you not know our brains? Come on. <laughs> So it could very well be that. But at the same time, I do think if they wanted to not give up on the Pyrapus line completely, or maybe they were planning to do this all along, that it was a a shift of some kind that Bo's father could shift it to this horse and et cetera. Because I think even, 
I'm trying to remember. I feel like maybe in Destiny's Child when Hugin was talking about, but again, he was talking about, you know, he who wanders. So because I didn't, I think maybe he said something about him having many names, but I could be making that up. No, I think you're right, Stephanie. I think that um, some of the things that people have said that we've attributed to the Wanderer, uh, sometimes they'd shift really fast and talk about their boss, like whoever their boss was, mm-hmm. particularly I'm thinking Hugin and Munin. So it's entirely possible that the Wanderer is not their boss, or that Rainer is not their boss. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's all a little bit of a hodgepodge. I feel like we need some sort of a chart. But nonetheless, um, you know, it's possible. It's still possible, given the constraints of the story as constructed so far, uh, to have some of those really scary things still be con- attributed to a separate person that's not Rainer that some people might have confused for the Wanderer. Yeah. Like, not just us. Like, not just us people out here, but, like, people in Faye world, right? Yeah, right. And Because we've talked about that as a possibility several times previously, that it could have been an identity that somebody borrowed so that the axe would be attributed to this guy Rainer over here, but the person actually doing them was somebody else. Well, thank you for, for helping me wade through all of the mythology stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to do it. So send us your thoughts about... Bo's father's multiple identities, possibly. I'd be curious to hear if you have any good theories or if you have a legitimate source that talks about Pyrrhus in Greek mythology. Send yes. us those. <laughs> Send us that. Definitely. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at drinksatthedoll.com slash 80. You can also send an email to feedback at drinksatthedoll.com or send us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of our website. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks at the Doll. My name is Stephanie and I was joined by my friend Elizabeth, which makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Makes me happy too. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.